Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Last Saturday um, was a sad day for us. I was on the Lady Balm hike and uh, uh, I got a phone call from Mary that I was expecting and basically she had um, been talking to the vet and the vet had basically said to her, you're going to have to have your dog put down and, and she's bursting into tears and um, calling, please can you get home because um, they've actually made the appointment at 4.15, this was at 12. Now, it was not unexpected in terms that we knew that uh, that conversation was going to happen. It was totally unexpected that uh, I would have to kind of run back to the car in the middle of the Peak District to get, to get home. And, uh, you know, you can imagine an uh, 11 and a half year dog, been with us a long time, really sad. I look out my window uh, from my study every morning when he's normally out there and uh, in the garden and he's not there. Really, really sad. Uh, but the week before, I was in a sense at a more sadder occasion because those who know Bev, who was part of our church here and then was at the Heatons, and uh, she sadly died of cancer that had been uh, affecting her for a year or two. And so um, in the middle of the week, we were at the uh, Thanksgiving service uh, for her. Her two, her, her two daughters were there. One had flown back from Australia and just listening to their kind of testimony about their mum uh, in between tears and sadness and, and also a bit of relief because she'd been in so much pain, you know. So you have a, a strange mixture, which actually it was for us at the weekend as well. When someone's in pain, whether it's a person or a pet or whatever, there's a, there's a whole mixture that goes on in terms of sadness and grief and yet feeling like actually, you know, that the pain is over. And for Bev, people knowing that she's just a lovely Christian and that she's now with her saviour. But sadness and death is part of who we are. It uh, comes to us all, and we all experience the loss and pain of other people who uh, are our friends, colleagues, etc. And uh, Jesus was imminently going to die, and uh, he was trying to prepare his uh, disciples for this occasion. And uh, it says in John 13, 31, as Judas left the room, that's the Judas who was going to betray him, Jesus said to the disciples, the time has come for the Son of Man to enter his glory and God will be glorified because of him. That's in John 13, 31. In chapter 14, he carries on the narrative and says this, don't let your hearts be troubled Trust in God and trust also in me. There is, more, uh, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this was not so, would I have told you 
that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. And basically, they didn't. <laughs> that was the, the truth. Because they, uh, they basically said, you know, where are you going? And, uh, and for some, they probably thought, we want to come with you. Because it was all a little nebulous. It's uh, one thing to be on the other side of death and uh, someone dying. It's another thing being talked about and uh, feeling like, what is all this about? Especially when you've just given up everything to follow a man who fundamentally, very soon after they'd given up their day jobs, their security, their livelihoods, was basically said, I'm going to another place. The whole thing of worry, stress, anxiety, sadness, loss, as I say, comes to all of us. Now, it's not just death that brings that about. Um, I, as you get older, and I'm getting older, you have to go for screening. Some of you people have been, been to the GP for different screens and different tests for years to look for cancers and things like that. Those who have been through that and those who are going through it, and if you're anything like me, you know there's a stress <laughs> and anxiety that comes from the unknown. You know, what is this going to show? It's just part of our life. Some people get affected more than others by just the anxiety of, of the unknown. One of our members sent a text around a few weeks ago just based saying, Heard, I think, that morning that a number of people were going to get redundant and weren't sure if it was going to be one of them. And again, just the anxiety that can come from just those sort of conversations, that sort of announcement. It's all part of um, uh, our life now. And um, there's just so many things, whether it is death or loss, that brings anxiety, stress, and sadness. And basically, I want to look this morning at Jesus' words of comfort to his disciples as he explains what's going to happen in the traumatic days ahead um, of his life and death. It says this in John 14 16, which is kind of the verse that we're going to look at as he's explaining everything to them. He said this, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Some other uh, translation says counsellor, some others say comforter, who will never leave you. We're going to be looking at the comfort of the Holy Spirit this morning and fundamentally we need comfort. We need an advocate, we need a helper in many things that we're doing. It literally means, the word paraphrase, it literally means one cord alongside to help. It's an interesting word because I've just given you three different translations. Nobody really can nail the exact translation of what Jesus is saying because it's an, it's an all-inclusive real word explaining that when the Holy Spirit is given... It's actually all these things of comfort, help, etc., etc. So 
We're going to be looking just as these verses of Jesus explaining about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And we're doing it in the, in the context of inside out worship because basically how do we worship when we're sad, there's loss, there's anxiety, there's stress. It's hard, isn't it, to actually find God in the midst of it. And this whole series has been looking at that, the emotional factors that govern the way we approach the living God. And you can imagine the disciples as Jesus is trying to explain to them that actually I'm not going to be here. But there will be one who will be here, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. You know, you can imagine the disciples as he's saying these sort of things, thinking to themselves, you know, when you're with us, Jesus, everything works out. Even death. Lazarus, our great friend, he was not just a friend to Jesus, he was a friend to the whole community of people that followed him. He died and yet Jesus had brought him back to life again. And, uh, you know, when the People came to him who were accusing him and, and didn't like the disciples because they ate on the Sabbath and uh, did things. Jesus, he was there. He was able to talk to them. And you could imagine them all standing behind him. <laughs> Your turn, master. <laughs> You've got the answers of eternal life. You with them. And so they're processing these things. And so Jesus says to them, uh, in verse 18 of chapter 14, I will not abandon you, because I, I guess that's what they felt like. You know, If you're going, we're abandoned. That's what it feels like, isn't it? And uh, I know when we went to America, I, I know our oldest son who eventually came to us, I, I just know he was 18, just not sure. Did he want to go or not go? And uh, a year later came. But sometimes you can just feel a sense of abandonment. And, uh, and in all parts of our life, that can feel a little bit like that when someone who's close to us says they're going. And he says, look, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. The Amplified Version says this, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you desolate. I'm not going to leave you bereaved, forlorn or helpless. And so Jesus is, at, is watching their faces as they're trying to comprehend what is happening and basically trying to speak into them hope and truth. And actually, basically saying, someone's going to, it's going to be even, actually, it's not going to be like you think. I may be going, but Jesus is promising a helper, a comforter. And uh, he's basically saying this, I am with you now. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to be like me with you forever. It's like, you know what it's like physically to have me now? Well, actually, you're going to be have me in the form of the Holy Spirit day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, wherever you are. I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always be with you, he says, in other places. And so saying this, that I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be your comforter. It's interesting, that word comfort, because, you know, when 
I remember, you know, even last weekend when our dog died, many, many people were just sad for me. Many people knew Moses. They, he's larger than life, big, big retriever dog. And uh, wherever I, I even walk now, people are kind of, where is he? You know, and so every now and then I cry, and most times I don't. And I thought I might cry this morning, but I'm not, so that's good. Um, but basically what people are doing are they, they are consoling you. That's, you know, that's, when we think of comfort, it's, that's the word we feel, isn't it? It's like consolation. It's like an arm around you. And that's good. Sometimes it can be too much, though. <laughs> you know, sometimes, have you been in that, that situation? Yeah. Please, I just want a bit of space. <laughs> but you can never really have too much, really. It's just a moment you go through. But actually, the word that is translated comfort by some of the translations. Actually, when Wycliffe, who actually translated the word paraclete into English, he wasn't actually thinking about an arm round you in the way that we think about it. He was actually uh, thinking more about bravery, about being able to stand firm, because actually that's part of the meaning. It's not just a kind of, You know, I'm going to cry with you, which is good. Please don't mishear this. But there's something about being brave, being able to stand fortified. And so so when we read uh, translations, that's why different translations have different words, because they're trying to get under the meaning of what Jesus is saying, because it it means so many different things. But, But fundamentally, I'm not going to leave you as orphans I'm not going to leave you bereft. I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm not going to leave you unprotected. But actually, I'm going to make you brave. I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to be your helper. I'm going to be beside you. I am going to send the Holy Spirit, who is me, with you. God with us. And so, fundamentally, we're seeing Paul, when he's in prison in, uh, in Philippi, you know, he's basically cast a demon out and uh, they've beaten him because the people who owned the slave that had a demon cast out actually lost their livelihood and so started a bit of a riot. So they beat Paul and Silas, put them into prison in the middle of the night. They were chained up and suddenly the jailer's here in singing singing from the cell and there's an earthquake and he's going to commit suicide because this is the jailer because he thinks man these guys are going and I've been told to make sure they don't escape so the first thing the jailer thinks is I am going to have to kill myself and there's Paul and Silas with the comfort of the Holy Spirit (laughs) the bravery of the Holy Spirit the help of the Holy Spirit, the consolation of the Holy Spirit. They're not left as orphans in the middle of a prison, in the middle of the night, but God is with them. God is there. And they're worshipping, and it says all the jail are listening. And then the jailer sees that they're still there. 
if you come to the baptism service, I'm going to preach on this. When I was reading this this morning and thinking about my sermon, I'm thinking I'm going to preach on that baptism. I'm going to preach on this because we've got a whole family being baptised, I think. And because uh, the jailer's whole family in the middle of the night, because he's suddenly saved. <laughs> Not eternally, but he's just saved from the Roman legions because they're still there. They haven't run away. So he doesn't kill himself. And then he learns the reason they're still there is because the hope of glory is with them. Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, is powerfully with these two apostles. And so they are gladly able to stay and not run away. Because God wants them there. Because God wants the jailer and his family to be saved. (laughs) It's wonderful, isn't it? I am not going to leave you as orphans. You see, Jesus couldn't be with them in the prison (laughs) while he was walking on earth. But he could be. But he sends the Holy Spirit who is everywhere. (laughs) That's why I said it will be better. (laughs) How can it be better? It's a bit like going to Bev's funeral and the preacher saying, which I think he did, where she's gone is better. It's hard to comprehend, isn't it? It's hard to comprehend because the physical is so real and the non-physical is not so, doesn't feel so real, does it? And so amongst the tears of loss, the hope of something much better. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Amongst the tears of sadness, something better will happen. The Holy Spirit will be with you wherever you are. Verse 26 says, Kairos on, Jesus is kind of just building up bit by bit why it's going to be better. He says, but when the Father sends the advocate the paraclete, the comforter, as my representative, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. As I said earlier, you can imagine while they're walking around with Jesus, every time there was a problem or an accusation or someone asked them a difficult question, over to you, Jesus. (laughs) Sadly, that's what happens to me when I'm in a small group, you realise, or when I'm in a group of people. People say, difficult question, pastor, what do you think? And I say, if you know me, you know that's not the right question. I'm not Rob. (laughs) Or Tom O'Toole, who actually read far more than I do and therefore have a much greater access to be able to answer the question but even they are not infallible (laughs) even they are not able to answer all your questions but you see you can imagine them so reliant on Jesus so reliant on the brilliant answers to the questions when A woman is dragged in front of them because she's committed adultery and they basically say, come on now, what are you going to do? You can imagine all the disciples thinking, over to you. (laughs) 
<laughs> just, they're all watching. And Jesus is just kind of thinking, you know. And then a brilliant answer. Brilliant answer that condemns everybody <laughs> apart from the woman. <laughs> condemns everybody and says to the woman, now go and sin no more. He's not going to be there to do that because he's the great pastor, the great shepherd. And he's not going to be able to do it. And yet Jesus says this, the Holy Spirit will bring back to your memory all the things that I've taught you. Peter and John, who basically ran away when Jesus was dying, couldn't... Peter couldn't answer a slave girl's accusations. <laughs> He's a pretty timid guy. Very, a lot of bravado, a lot of timidity. Sounds a bit like me. You know, <laughs> just complete, all over the shop <laughs> sometimes. And then, basically, weeks after Jesus has died and risen, they've healed somebody. They've ended up standing in front of the leader's of the temple, the leaders of Israel, those who have killed the Saviour. And these leaders are hearing Peter and John eloquently talk about their master, talk about some of the Old Testament scriptures that refer to his death and his resurrection. And they're basically saying, these are unlearned people. Yet they are, they know so much. It's because as they're standing there, the Holy Spirit's bringing back to their memory all that Jesus was saying. It's like, it's like Jesus was there in front of the leaders because the Holy Spirit was powerfully with them. That's what Jesus has given us. As we meditate on the scriptures, as we learn, the Holy Spirit bringing that back to us so that we can know all truth. Fantastic, isn't it? He's, that's why I said, it might not feel it, my words, not his, but that's what he's implying, but it will be better. I am going to glory, and I'm going to send to you a comforter, a helper, a paraclete. And then in 1427, it says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and of heart. Peace is a massive, massive thing, isn't it? I mean, we're in the nations now, you know, every day we learn of the war in Ukraine. But of course, there's wars going on everywhere. And peace is such a vital commodity. It's not just peace because of trauma and war. It's just peace because of our own anxiety. Just our own stress. Just having a peaceful disposition. It's interesting that the Romans always talked about peace because they basically kept telling the world that we have brought peace to the world. That's basically, they, they were sent. And in, in one sense, it was quite true because they brought some order, some stability. They built roads, they built towns, they built cities. 
And fundamentally, they kept some sort of order. Now, there was always uprisings and skirmishes, but they were really um, saying that their peace, but it was, of course, it was brought with violence, with threats, with intimidation. That's why Paul and Silas were in prison. Because as soon as this looked like a riot, the first thing the Romans want to do is get them in prison. Let's stop this stuff that's happening. And Jesus is saying this, that I want to give you a gift of peace, shalom, which isn't the absence of trouble, but it means everything that brings our highest good. It's not the absence of trouble, but the things that bring... Our highest good. Jesus promised that the Comforter would bring gifts of peace, peace of mind in the midst of trials and persecutions, a peace that would experience with the coming of the Holy Spirit. William Barclay says this The peace the world offers is a peace of escape, the peace which comes from refusing to face things. That's basically how a lot of us live, how a lot of People of the peace that Jesus offered is not the peace of conquest, which is what the Romans basically uh, offered. It's the peace which no experience of life can ever take away from us. It's a peace which is independent of outward circumstances. This is the peace the Holy Spirit gives. So, Jesus is saying this in the midst of sadness in the midst of him telling that he was going to die. He said to them, "Um, you're not going to feel like orphans. You might think it, but you're not going to feel abandoned. I'm going to remind you, he says, of all the words that I have spoken to you, all the stuff you've read about in the Old Testament, and I'm going to give you the gift of peace in the eye of a storm of anxiety and loss. Inside-out worship, being able to worship with sadness, stress, the unknown, tests being carried out by doctors and nurses, and just the whole area of life that we live in. You know, you could add to it and add to it with everything that's going on with the gas and the electric and just so many things of, uh, that just bring us anxiety. It says in Acts 9.31, the church, after so much persecution by Paul and others, had peace throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria because... Uh, And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement, comfort of the Holy Spirit, they grew in numbers. It's like what Jesus taught about, and I've just given you a few random examples. Paul, Peter, John, the church, generally there, basically living in the good of the promise of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that We have a true apprehension, good apprehension of the Holy Spirit. That's why when uh, in times of revival, there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a a sense of the imminence of God, the presence of God. In times of renewal, it's exactly 
the same. And, and it's so important that it's not just in those times, but day by day we learn to cultivate the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've just been more and more just putting worship tapes on, just more and more trying to cultivate the presence of God in the eye of storms. And then just to finish, um, uh, Jesus started his chapter in John 14, says this, if you love me, obey my commandments. And then in verse 21, it says this, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me because they love me, my father will love them. So in the midst of him saying, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit, he's saying this, actually, there's a condition. And the condition is this, it's for those who love me. Those who love me. Those who obey me. Now, you can see this in a couple of ways. One way is this, wow, does that mean I'm ever going to receive the comfort of the Holy Spirit? Because I can tell you 10 times that I struggled yesterday to obey. <laughs> of course, that isn't true. Because he's saying it to Peter, who has just said, you're going to <laughs> actually run away. But what he's saying is this, that those who have given their hearts to me, those who have said, I want to follow you, those who set their heart on pilgrimage of obedience, I'm going to send the comforter. On the day of Pentecost, Peter got up and said, this Jesus, who you crucified, <laughs> died and rose again. This Jesus, who you crucified. He was saying that to thousands who had been there and witnessed some of them. The horrendous, horrific, brutal murder of Jesus. Peter is basically saying, the Holy Spirit that's poured out that you see amongst us now. It was from this Jesus who you crucified. 3,000 in the crowd cried out, Peter, we want this. <laughs> we, we want what you've got. What do we need to do to be saved? What do we need? We want it. We want the comfort of the Holy Spirit. We want the salvation that Jesus brings. Jesus said this, repent, turn around, obey, love the Saviour, be baptised. When Hannah was talking about that baptism, serving to time, there's going to be a number of people in that pool. It's going to be most exciting. Just be there. Because, and if you haven't been baptised, jump in. Honestly, you see 3,000 people jumped in that day because they wanted the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They wanted the power of the Holy Spirit. They wanted the salvation of Jesus who had been crucified by people who were standing there but had rise from the dead again and done what he promised.
sent the comforter, sent the helper, sent the Holy Spirit. 